Welcome to Gospel Mission Church's message podcast. We pray that God will meet you in this time with a fresh revelation of His love for you and that you will be challenged to align with the amazing plans that God has waiting for you. We hope you enjoy this week's message. Jesus, we want your heart. You're so good and you have been so good to us. We've seen your goodness in our lives. And we, God, we want other people to see it too. Lord, we want other people to, to meet our best friend. We want other people to know that you're real and that there's freedom in you and that there's peace in you and there's forgiveness in you and there's rest for our souls in you. So I ask God that you would speak to us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So today is, is Pentecost Sunday, and Pentecost Sunday is a day on the church calendar where, where we actually like remember and recognize that Jesus, he sent the Holy Spirit, he sent this very Spirit of God into us as believers to, to actually be witnesses to people around us. And sometimes I think we, we actually, at least growing up, we, we almost, I feel like in my own background, missed the meaning of Pentecost. And we almost turned the day into a celebration of what God had done 2,000 years ago and kind of left it there. And we are actually missing the point. Now, the Holy Spirit does a lot of things in our lives. John 14 through 16 is one of the most clear, clearest descriptions of what the Holy Spirit does on the inside of us. And, and actually at the end of the book of John, and I don't have time to go into all, of it, all this this morning, but at the end of the Gospel of John, near the end, Jesus, he breathes on his disciples and he says, receive the Holy Spirit. And I believe that's when we receive the indwelling Holy Spirit that, 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 that works on the inside of us. But in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, and, and we're going to go into context and we're going to go a little bit deeper into this in a moment, but I'm just going to start off here and we'll, we'll come back to it later. Jesus, he's preparing his disciples for what's about to happen when the Holy Spirit comes. And he says this, he says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you to be my witnesses in, in Jerusalem and in all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. He says this, you will receive power to be witnesses. And the, the point of Pentecost was the Lord sending the Holy Spirit in a, in a baptism of power in an, or an infilling, if you want to call it, of power to be witnesses to share the gospel. And I love, and we're going to come back to that PowerPoint, actually, and I'm going to end with that in my message, but, but I want to start with, with the first part. So he, he's giving us power to be witnesses, and then he actually gives us a blueprint of, of, of how do we be witnesses? How do we share the good news of what God has done for us? And, and, he, and he says this, you'll, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now, if Jesus had lived in Winkler, what he would have said is, be my witnesses in Jerusalem in the Pemina Valley region, in Manitoba, and into the ends of the earth. That's what he was saying. And my, my question for, for you this morning, and for us this morning, is what's your Jerusalem? Because what Jesus was saying is be very, very practical. Like, just start with, you, with where you live. Where, where is your Jerusalem? And I want to actually give you some very practical things in, like, in stepping forward and being witnesses for Jesus. I mean, I'm so convinced, I'm so convinced that the message of the gospel is good news, and I want other people to hear it. 
Not so that I can convert them, not so I can have a belch or a knot on my, notch on my belt or anything like that. I want people to hear because when people find Jesus, their hearts get set free. I want people to meet my best friend Jesus because when people meet Jesus, chains break off. Old habits are actually broken off. When people find Jesus, they have rest for their soul. When people find Jesus, they find out you don't have to walk around in the sin and shame and guilt of your past because Jesus takes it all away. So, so we actually want to share this love of Jesus with other people. But, but our problem is, is, or maybe your problem is similar to mine anyway, is that often we're a little bit chicken. I had this dream a number of years ago, and it's a hilarious dream. I, I'm, well, I guess you can judge, but now you better laugh because I told you it's hilarious. <laughs> that's it. Yeah, that's, that's what I want to hear. Thanks, Dave. <laughs> and so uh, in this dream, I'm like, I can feel like I have something in my mouth, and it's a weird thing. Like, I, there's something big in my mouth, and I don't know, so I, like, I pull it out, and it's like this drumstick. And then, but there's more, and so I pull it out again, and now it's like a chicken wing, and I'm, I'm pulling out these big pieces of chicken in my mouth, and then I wake up, and I'm like asking the Lord about it later, you know, like is it, sometimes people talk about a pizza dream, you have pizza and you have a weird dream, well maybe this was a chicken dream, but, but I actually felt like what the Lord was saying to me, it's like, Brian, I don't want you to be a chicken. <laughs> and, and I'll never forget that dream, I'll never forget that dream, because I was pulling this chicken out of my mouth, but, but here's, here's one of my experiences, is I remember a number of years ago when I was... Um, going part of a ministry in the city, going to church there, I, I found out that a guy was going to come and speak on evangelism, and there was a part of me on the inside that was like, because my experience with hearing people talk about evangelism, often probably in all honesty, was people who weren't sharing the gospel themselves, felt guilty about it, and now in teaching about sharing the gospel was trying to make everyone else feel guilty enough too so that we would do it. And so every time I would hear someone like preach on evangelism, I just left feeling like a big, like more guilty and like a failure. So I'm like, do I even show up this Sunday? (laughs) But but that Sunday when I went, the guy who was sharing was actually an evangelist. And as he talked about sharing our faith, it was like, oh, like I can do this. And, and, And that's my hope for this morning. Because our, our, our desire isn't to go out and like, create converts. Our desire is that people would meet our best friend and fall in love with him and experience the love and grace and forgiveness that is found in Jesus. Jesus is real. He's alive. He's awesome. And, and I, again, I want to give you some simple steps of, of how we step forward. And the first is this, is just start where you live. When it comes to loving people, just start where you live. Where is your Jerusalem? Your Jerusalem is your neighborhood. Your Jerusalem is your family. It's your school. It's your workplace. It's your extended family. These things are all areas where where the Lord wants us to be a light and to share the goodness of who he is. And, And sometimes maybe you're in a workplace that has like a really like a, it's just tough. Maybe there's even a bit of a toxic environment could it be that your workplace is actually your mission field? That the main reason the Lord has you there is not to take a paycheck, but because there's people there who need some love and hope in their lives? Or your family, maybe when it comes to like extended family gatherings or even family gatherings, there's like, there's this era of tension or this, this era of tension. It's like, ah, oh, why is my family this way? And could it be that your family is your mission field or your school? Just, we just need to start by seeing the needs around us. 
And sometimes I think we make it too complicated. We're like, well, if I'm really going to like serve God, I, I need to go somewhere far away. And the Lord wants to send, I believe, many people far away to do things for him. But, but that's not where we start. We start where we are. And we start with the people around us. I think about like, um, this is 25 plus years ago. I was much younger then. I had a bit of hair. Um, considerably more athletic in physique. Let the reader understand. Um, but, but, the, but we, me and a buddy of mine, he, he was into skateboarding a little bit. I was just out of high school, and, and there was a lot of skateboarders in town, and we, we just started thinking, like, hey, we need to do something to, like, reach these kids. And so we talked to our church leadership, and they were good with it, and so we started with one ramp on a church parking lot, and over the next three or four years, uh, we, we, we built a skate park ministry in town. We were re- reaching out to kids. I, was, I wasn't a skateboarder at all, but I just, I saw a need. My buddy saw a need, and together we started building something to reach out into the kids of our community. Where are the needs around you? Again, when it comes to um, walking in love for our neighbor, we, we just need to look around us, because often our mission field is right in front of our eyes. The second thing I want to I emphasize, so the first is, where is your Jerusalem? The second is, um, make loving people your goal. Make loving people your goal. I found this to be so important, because sometimes what happens is, hey, we're so passionate about Jesus, and we want to share the good news about Jesus, but what we can end up doing in the process is it's like, People become almost about a statistic instead of about loving them. That's not, that's not actually why we want to share Jesus with people. Like we, we want people to experience the goodness and love of God. A friend of mine who does a lot of ministry in downtown, or in downtown Winnipeg, and I've connected with her and been involved with her in downtown Winnipeg. Like when we go out there, our goal is not to like, our, our desire is to see people come to Jesus, but our goal is to love people. We, we just want to walk in love. And so when that becomes your goal, it takes the pressure off. Because sometimes people think, well, now I have to go and like share the gospel all in the first five seconds of this conversation. No, just love people and be yourself. And ask for the Lord to give opportunities. I remember this one time we were in, um, I was at an event, we were serving some food and stuff in, um, in downtown in Winnipeg. And I started this conversation with this guy, I just asked if I could pray for him. He's like, nah, I'm not interested in God. He was um, from northern Manitoba. And so instead of just saying, oh, okay, he's not interested in walking away, I just sat down and had a conversation with the guy. And so we started talking. He started sharing his story. And, and, and he had had some really bad experiences with the church. And I apologized because what he was describing was not Christianity, what he had experienced. But he said, well, what I really want is this. And he kept talking about like, loving people and sacrificial love. And everything that he talked about, what he wanted, sounded exactly like Jesus. And I just remember saying to him, it sounds like you got a problem with the church, but not with Jesus. Because what you're describing is exactly what Jesus wanted. And it opened up the door for a really, really cool conversation. And by the end of it, it's like um, he had family members who were believers. And it, and it really sounded like he was interested in actually like, going to church with them. But it was because my goal was to just love this guy and to have a conversation and hear his story. And again, when your goal is to love people, it takes the pressure off. Because we're not here to give a sales pitch. We're here to try to introduce people to an awesome God who's, who can actually set hearts free. So we want to make loving people our goal. So 
Figuring out where your Jerusalem is, like what are the needs around you? Make loving people your goal. Thirdly is don't be afraid to start a conversation with people. I love this in, in John chapter four where um, Jesus, he's with his disciples and they're, they're in Samaria, so they, they're, they're on this trip and they, they cut through Samaria because it was a shortcut to where they were going. And, and he sends all of his 12 disciples into the town to buy food. Now you know it doesn't take 12 disciples to buy food. Why does he send all 12 of them? probably needed some quiet time. <laughs> he didn't, he's, he was like, seriously, because he was in a human body, and so he was doing a lot of ministry and stuff, and I, I think he was genuinely tired and probably tired of hearing them argue about who was going to be the greatest. He's like, hey guys, why don't you just go pick up some food? And he's like, which one? All of you? <laughs> and, and that probably isn't exactly what happened, but having a little bit of fun with it there. So Jesus is just by himself trying to relax, and, and as he's there at this well, this Samaritan woman comes up to him, or she comes to the well, and he just starts a conversation with her. Now, in their culture, for, a, for like a, a Jewish teacher or a rabbi to speak to a woman already was, but, but when it's a Samaritan woman, she was considered an, an outcast. It was like, unclean. you would not talk to a Samaritan woman. Jesus doesn't care. <laughs> he, doesn't, he doesn't care about like society's conventions. He just loves people. And so he starts a conversation with her, and, and they just start talking. And, and in the midst of that conversation... Not only does she end up coming to faith in, in Jesus, but most of her town actually does too. And it just started with a conversation. And sometimes, like you're, maybe you're in a lineup at Superstore and it's a long line. Just ask a person, hey, how's it going? Or, boy, long line today. Hey, yeah, yeah, it sure is. Well, hey, how you been doing? Or introduce yourself. Just start with a conversation. And it's amazing what happens when we, when we do that. Um, Often, often when, when I'm engaged in this, one of the things that I try to do is I'm, I'm in a conversation with a person and I'm asking God at the same time, Lord, what do you want me to share with them? Lord, what do you want me to speak? And so I'm doing two things. I'm paying attention to their story because if I don't pay attention to their story, I have no right to share anything with them because I'm not loving them. So I'm, I'm listening to their story, but I'm asking the Lord too, hey, Lord, what do you want me to say? So we need to not be afraid to start conversations. And, and kind of tied together with that idea is, is to be willing to take risks, is to be willing to take risks because if we don't step out in faith, we're never going to see God move. I think about this at some of the youth events I've done recently um, where I'm like trying to be obedient to what the Lord is asking me to, asking me to do. And, and I've heard it said that faith, faith is often spelled R-I-S-K. If you have faith in God, it's gonna require you to take some risks. And so we've had these times where where I've asked the Lord, and, and we've had these times where we pray for healing, and I think of one event where we did where like nothing really happened, and it was just awkward, and, I'm, and I've, I've had this happen in churches too where we're praying for healing, and it's like nothing happens, and it's like, mm, should I have done it? It kind of feels super awkward. But then I think of a, a youth retreat I did back in January where the Lord healed six people. And there's people with tears running down their faces because they just encountered the power of God. And so as we step out, we got to be willing to take risks and be obedient to what the Lord is asking us to do. And then my final point is ask the Holy Spirit to help you. In, um, in Acts 4, the disciples there, they're facing a crisis because they're telling people about Jesus and the, and the religious leaders want to kill them. That's a problem. <laughs> you know, right? How many of you know that? Like if, you're if you want to share your faith, but people want to kill you if you share your faith. That's, that's a serious problem. I was listening to a podcast yesterday and it was like, they were talking about um, in, in this one nation when they were training people to share their faith, they were training them in a little bit of self-defense as well. 
because often people would get beaten if they shared their faith in that country. And so it's kind of like, it's intense. And so the disciples, they, they call out for the help of the Holy Spirit. I have some friends in, um, in Winnipeg that I've done ministry with over the years in the downtown. And, and this past Thursday, as they were out doing ministry, um, two of their group got attacked. And one guy got punched in the face, face and the other guy got stabbed. And I've done ministry with this guy who got stabbed multiple times. And thankfully, where he got stabbed, he, he had, had to get three staples. And, um, but thankfully, the stab wasn't really deep. He was released from hospital by one in the evening. But it's like, oh, it's intense. So we need the help of the Holy Spirit. And as I was actually praying for that guy, I just found myself thinking, okay, I got to get back into the, I got to get back where they're going again. I got to get back going and joining these guys where they're doing. And in Acts 4, when trouble comes, instead of asking for protection, they ask for boldness and for the help of the Holy Spirit. (laughs) We've made Christianity into a safe religion that looks totally unlike what Jesus was walking in. And we're afraid if there's an element of risk that something bad might happen, so we just step away. But biblical Christianity, they understood that they might die for their faith, and that was just normal. And now, often we're afraid, well, what if somebody thinks I'm weird? (laughs) And that stops us. We we need the boldness of the Holy Spirit. We need the power of the Holy Spirit to step out. And one example of of trying to be dependent on the Holy Spirit is I remember we were were praying for this guy once at at Central Park in Winnipeg. And and me and and my friend, we were were praying for him and just asking the Lord, what's on your heart? And, And I've never, ever done something like this in my life. But as we were having a conversation, this guy, he had some real, like, serious health concerns um, that, that we were praying for for him and stuff. And there's also some, some real struggles with sin that this guy was walking with in his life too. So I'm just being sensitive to the Holy Spirit. And so, or as best I can anyway. And I'm asking the Lord, what do you want me to do? And I've never ever done this before, but all of a sudden I just felt like I was supposed to. So I just asked him, hey, have you ever felt the love of God before? Like, like felt it? He's like, no. And here's where the risk was. I said, well, do you want to? He's like, yeah. I said, can I pray for you? Yeah. I've never, ever done this before. I, I laid my hand on this guy, and as I, as I started praying for him, the tangible love of God started hitting him, and you could see it on him as he started to encounter the presence and power of God. And we're able to witness to this guy about Jesus. <laughs> that required a risk. It required being sensitive to the Holy Spirit but it's also exactly what the Bible describes Christianity looking like. And so we want to learn to hear God's voice so that we can partner with him as we share our faith. This actually ties in a little bit with, with again, coming back to Acts chapter 1 and even, in, even in, into Pentecost this day. When I look at scriptures, uh, one, of the, one of the key things that I've found, and, and I don't know if I was taught this a lot when I was younger, is, yeah, we're supposed to go and be witnesses, but, but what Jesus was saying in Acts 1 is that you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you to be witnesses. So l- let's go to, to Luke 24, verse 49. If you have your Bibles with me, you can turn there. It should be up on the screen as well. So in Luke chapter 24, Jesus, he's... This, this would have been wild because Jesus was, he was raised from the dead. So his friends all saw him got killed. He was in the tomb for three days. Then he comes back and he's alive, but they can still see the, the, the nail marks in his hands where he was nailed to the cross. So he's, 
Jesus, he's, he's alive. It, it says in, in, in the Bible that he appeared even at one point to 500 people at once after he rose from the dead. So they're seeing him for this period of 40 days and he's walking around on the earth and he's teaching them. And in Acts 24, it's right before he's about to be taken up into heaven and he gives them some instruction and he says this in Acts 24, 49. I'm gonna send you what my father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. So he's talking here about the Holy Spirit, and he says, hey, I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. Just stay in Jerusalem, and then you're going to be clothed with power from on high. And, and the word, the, the idea is almost like the, like, like the Holy Spirit coming upon you, almost like a glove on a hand. Like, you're going to be clothed with power from on high. And then in Acts chapter 1, like the, the book of Luke and Acts, they're actually written by the same author. So the, you could call them Luke 1 and Luke 2, really, if you wanted to, because Luke wrote both of them. But, but in the book of Acts, what Luke is doing is he's picking up the story. So in the book of Luke, he's talking about the life and the teachings of Jesus up until he goes up into heaven. And then in, in the book of Acts, he starts with Jesus going up into heaven. And now he talks about the, 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 the acts of the Holy Spirit through the early church. So in Acts chapter 1, he's kind of starting at the same point that he finished off in Luke 24. And the disciples, they're like seeing Jesus and they're kind of wondering, okay, Jesus, you rose from the dead. Is this the point where you're going to start ruling the earth as king? And, you know, we're probably going to be your lieutenants. This is going to be awesome. Like, like Roman occupation will end. Like, is this what's going to happen? So they're wondering these things. And Jesus instead gives them some different instructions. I'm going to start with verse 4 to 8. He says, on one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this commandment. Do not leave Jerusalem but wait for the gift my father promised, which you've heard me speak about. So that's the same thing he was talking about in Luke 24, verse 49. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. That word with can, be, can also mean in. So you will be immersed in the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And it was, it was a good question. It was a valid question, and it's, it's even one of the right questions to ask, but Jesus answers them and says, it's not for you to know the times or dates the Father is set for his own, by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses. He says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You and me, we were meant to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. We were meant to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. This is supposed to be normal Christianity. Let's keep on reading into Acts 2. So Jesus, he ascends into heaven. In Acts 1.13, we find out that the disciples, they're, all, they're meeting together often and praying. They're meeting together and praying, and they're waiting for this, this Pentecost. It was like, and it actually came 10 days after Jesus ascended into heaven. But they're waiting and praying. And so in Acts chapter 2, it says, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. So likely they were having a prayer meeting. They were together and asking, like, Lord, send the Holy Spirit. We don't know what it's going to look like, but send the Holy Spirit. But as they were all together in one place, it says, suddenly a sound came like the blowing of a violent wind. Or suddenly the, a sound like the, the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. So just imagine... <laughs> You're sitting here, and the sound of a blowing wind fills this place. It doesn't say there was a wind. They just heard the sound. So they're looking around. They're like, what is going on? This is weird. Jesus said he was going to send the Holy Spirit. It doesn't say anything about blowing wind. So they're, they're looking around, wondering what's going on. And then as they, as they look around, 
This is crazy. It says, they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. So they're like, what's going on? There's this sound. They look around and they look at the person beside them and boop, over their head, there are these flames of fire. They're like, what is going on? What, like, what is going on? And it says, all of them began to speak in other tongues as the Holy, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now in the Bible, there's three different kinds of, of, of speaking in tongues that are described in the Bible. And in, and in Acts chapter two, what's happening is they're given other languages. So these people are all starting to speak in these other languages. And it's like, what is going on? You look at your neighbor and all of a sudden they're speaking in like fluent Portuguese. And you're like, I, I didn't know you could speak Portuguese. Where did you learn that in Winkler, you know? Kind of ideas. They're like, this is very, very weird. What's going on? But people hear the sound and the people come. And now all of a sudden people from all the nations who are gathered in Jerusalem, they start hearing the gospel in their own language. They start hearing the gospel message in their own language. And it's like, this is crazy. And, and some people are mocking them and thinking, ah, you're a bunch of crazy charismatics. What are you doing over there? But I'm going to skip ahead for the sake of time to verse 14. It said, then Peter stood up with the 11. He raised his voice and he addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. And I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below. Blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Some people think the Holy Spirit is spooky. He's not spooky, he's good. <laughs> but he's real and he's powerful because God's alive. God's not a concept. God's not just a discussion point that we have and we talk about him to make ourselves feel better here. He's alive and he's real. And his spirit is real. And the promise of Acts 2 is that that power of the Holy Spirit was not just for them in that building, but he wants to come and encounter us too. And he wants to give us power to be witnesses. In John 14, 12, Jesus says, anyone who has faith in me will do what I've been doing. And one of the interesting things that we see in the book of Acts, I wish I had an hour to talk about this, for, like for real. Because in Acts chapter four, they, had, they received a, the, this anointing of the Holy Spirit, this power, and, and the immediate fruit of it is that 3,000 people get saved. And the church starts walking in radical love. Hear that again. The, the two primary fruits of this outpouring of the Holy Spirit is salvation is released. People turn to Jesus and radical love. They start walking in radical love and generosity. Those two things happen after Pentecost. But then in Acts chapter 4, they're in, a, in this difficult situation and persecution's coming. They're like, Lord, we need boldness. We're afraid. And then the Holy Spirit comes again in Acts 4. The place where they're meeting is shaken. And they go out and speak the word of God with great boldness. So the Holy Spirit comes again. And then in Acts chapter 10, Peter, he's, he's speaking in a group of, of, of Gentiles who were non-Jews. They, they'd never heard the gospel. And, and halfway through his, his message, and he's talking about Jesus and Jesus dying on the cross, the power of God hits that room. <laughs> and they're all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they give their lives to Jesus. And then in Acts 19, the Holy Spirit came again. 
What I'm saying is this. I have no interest in a faith that talks about Pentecost as if it's only an occurrence that happened 2,000 years ago. God wants to do it again. His arm is not, as the Bible says, his arm is not too short to save. And we live in a time where it feels like we're seeing Satan flex his muscles all the time. God's a whole lot more powerful. God's a whole lot more bigger and stronger and mightier. And we, we've often sung here, we need a fresh wind of your spirit. And when we're asking that, praying that song, what we're not asking for is, we're not just asking for an encounter. I, I love that song, but we're not just asking for an encounter. What we're asking for is power to share the good news of Jesus. What we're asking for is power on the inside to walk in holiness and in strength and in boldness. And he wants to awaken in us a cry to say, God, I have to have more. I believe the biblical response to this is twofold. And one is that we, we, we go out and do what Jesus said and we be witnesses and we share the good news. You have the Holy Spirit. If you're a believer, you have the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. So go and be witnesses. But secondly, we want to ask for more. And that's actually how we want to finish off this service today. Thanks for listening. If there's anything we can do to help you along in your journey, email prayer at gmchurch.ca. If you'd like to see what's coming up at Gospel Mission Church or learn more about us, visit gmchurch.ca.